Come all ye potheads and stoners. Come ye all who lack attention spans. Come ye sludge fans or whatever else you like to pop your eardrums to. This is Dylan, your unlikely hero, back again, flipping through the pages of Diary of Doom. After a bit of a break, I have returned with a bit more gas in the tank, and I think it is safe to say that DoD is back in action. That said, I am starting off a new gig and adjusting back into the automaton lifestyle, so it is fairly likely that DoD may come out on a more sporadic basis. I'll still shoot for a weekly show, but there's a good possibility it could go back to a bi-weekly release. We shall see. The good news is I have a few episodes from the Patreon that I'll be dropping on you in which I dive deep into a band's discography with a friend and also make them listen to Skillet. If you don't know what Skillet is, well, you're very lucky, but also they're hilarious. So I am looking forward to putting those episodes out there for you to enjoy. It feels good to be back, and I'm looking forward to getting back into the swing of things. Without further ado, here is the current episode with Tim Ellis from Netherlands. don't get to do this in person too much um especially over the last few years probably wouldn't have diary of doom without uh getting stuck at home yeah exactly so disease free as far as we know yeah hopefully and uh that other voice sitting uh over there across from me is timo ellis he is the lead vocalist multi-instrumentalist and overall mad scientist of uh, Brooklyn-based band Netherlands, and uh, he's kind enough to offer up uh, his studio, The Meadow, here in East Williamsburg to record in. And uh, just a little bit of background about uh, Netherlands, per uh, Mr. Bill Kelleher of Mastodon, uh, describes them as a band that continues to sonically challenge the unique atypical alchemy of the riff, a blast from left field of heavy bass and keys, robotic vox, conjure image and sounds of a Philip K. Dick existence. So I've, I've been uh, able to see Netherlands a couple of times now. Uh, the first time was opening for the Doom Side of the Moon side project. It's Kyle Schutz's Pink Floyd tribute band. 
And um, I kind of felt like most people's reaction to you in the moment was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so Not unusual. <laughs> I, I guess my first question for you before we talk about yourself is like, you know, what has it been like navigating the, quote, norms of metal and heavy music and presenting an audience with a band like Netherlands? Well, I, I feel like uh, it's, you know, I, it's, it's hard for me to really, it's hard, from the inside, it's sort of hard to, I, I have an impression based on after this many years of like, sort of, uh, you know, how we kind of go over in different contexts, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but usually like, uh, for like the first few songs, there's like, you know, oftentimes like, what the hell's going on or who are these people, you know? Um, but usually by two or three songs, depending what the songs are, we're also extremely loud and extremely aggressive. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, there's elements of thrash and kind of punk fury and sort of noise. And, you know, it's, we're really, we're reasonably very intense. Mm -hmm. And so we're usually able to, you know, in, you know, it's kind of indicate that we're fucking, you know, kind of gnarly and yeah. punishing enough to like whether or not we fully win people over depends on the night or the show or whatever but it like a I think we're able to sort of like a kind of um you know like uh I don't want to say I said win people over but at least like a, a convince people that to that uh that we're sort of to be taken seriously you know or that we can actually that we're it's a credible it's a credible uh thing that we're doing in the context of a, a metal or a punk or a doom show and so uh you know i think i i, I don't know i mean the, the we're not exactly we're not really any of those things genre wise right. either and so but it's enough with the tonality and then the general just the overall sound i think for people to be like yeah if, you know after not that long mm -hmm. and so uh I, I don't know. I mean, that's just what I think. I, I hope that's true. <laughs> like, I mean, that's my assumption. I, and it's been long enough now that uh, that seems to be the case. But, uh, yeah, it's like, a, in as much as that, it's not obviously, we're not really in a lane. It's not like, and now there's this obvious type yeah. of music that's about to happen. And there's some tonal variety even within the, for sure within the albums, but also within the show, too. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd like to... Uh, I, it's a it's a maybe provocative it's a little challenging it's not you know we're not fucking reinventing anything really music yeah. we're just doing our own um you know kind of hybrid version of all the things that i like or whatever so yeah that answer your question yeah i think it does i i mean you know i i if i'm if i'm remembering correctly the lineup of when i saw you open for doom side of the moon Beyond Yourself was different than the lineup I saw you when you were opening up for Yob at uh, yes. St. Vitus. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. And like I like you said, the, uh, uh, the, the, the way that you present yourself and that it's this, like, strange, like, hybrid of all sorts of musical walks of life. Yeah. I think that's probably, like, why, you know, you get those opportunities. But, like, you know, kind of leading up to, like, all that, obviously, and now... What are uh, your earliest experiences with music? Did you have a musical upbringing or did you discover it on your own? Did you play music at a young age and your parents introduced it to you? I, uh, there's no one in my immediate family plays music. Oh, actually, that's in my, in my, well, in my nuclear family. Mm -hmm. My first cousin was a drummer and a fantastic drummer. And uh, I think maybe when I was seven or eight, like, is when I actually went, like, 
one of those maybe it was over the holidays some one thing he actually had his key head maybe even playing for a year or two and that was he had his kit set up and he had like a poster of the who on the wall and he was like really good and so I was like and in a way that was I sort of blew my mind and I was like I think I want to do that you know mm-hmm. he's a drummer um I started a, and then it was basically like a I, th- I kind of had my musical epiphany, like I think I want to try to be a musician when I was in, you know, in the year or two after that. Um, I started playing the drums when I was 11, and then the guitar when I was 13. More or less, they I was both, I was basically like a, my entire like, uh, like, you know, like a epiphanal, like, ep- you know, like a experience of wanting to be a musician was more or less based on the ecstatic joy that I experienced listening to the cars. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few, maybe those, some of the early, the Michael Jackson records and those early earth went in fire records. And then I had a complete, I completely freaked out when I heard, uh, it was, uh, Rush and Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, when I heard Van Halen, I heard Unchained on the radio in August of 1981. And then I was like, I want to play the guitar. And the, truthfully, uh, I'd already been playing the drums for, uh, you know, like a year and a half or maybe whatever, a couple of years before, you know. Um, wait, that, that's the timelines wrong. Anyway, but like the, uh, the, it was drums first and then guitar shortly thereafter. And, uh, but so my, my, yeah, it was basically like, I played as much as I could at the time. Like this was also a long, long time ago. So mm-hmm. it wasn't until I played throughout high school and then also through college. It wasn't until like the sort of tail end of my college experience that I was like, oh, I think I actually am going to try to primarily just try to be a professional musician um but because during up and i think obviously throughout high school and college i think i it wasn't even it wasn't uh it wasn't totally evident that there was even necessarily some kind of channel to be able to just even do it professionally when i was growing up it was either studio musician or rock star both of which are totally abstract and like yeah and i also didn't really think honestly i was cut out really for either of those things certainly when I was 11 because they're just totally like fantasies you know you have to I mean, drop out to become a rock star yeah you also have to like whatever you have to also be a rock star you yeah. have to like basically be like this that kind of person who's uh, uh you know what who's whose sole ambition is to basically do that of which of course there's I, I just wasn't me at the you know something I, that just happened to not be me the punk rock circuit you know, in in the eighties and nineties, when I when I became and it became clear to me that there was actually this existing you know circuit of clubs all over the United States where you could uh, you know basically book tours and make a modest living and at least like possibly cover your expenses or whatever. There was actually a live music circuit. Then I was like, oh okay, mm-hmm. um, I think I'm going to take a shot at this. But that wasn't until I was like twenty two though. You know, but before that, I was just playing in high school and grade school and high school and college and just being a totally obsessive nerd about (laughs) music yeah when did you discover metal like kind of beyond you know like rush and and van halen and or heavy music and was there a landmark album for yourself that made you start thinking about music a little bit differently i I feel like probably those russian van halen albums yeah i mean in a way it was it was that was like on the radio was the spirit of radio is permanent waves. Yeah, that was one of those like, all right, I'm gonna have to be take one when I be a drummer, you know. Um, then it was Van Halen in 1981, and uh, and that like you know that was this was all like this was obviously there was this was all what was played on the radio and then other people at my school whatever who had tapes or records people that I could uh, 
you know, whose older brothers or whatever, you know, had like uh, records, you know. Um, but like from the radio, then it was like, oh, then, you know, all of the, you know, what's now considered all the classic rock yeah. stuff, like Zeppelin, ACDC, and The Who, and then Sabbath, though. And then basically in the couple of years that followed that, I, you know, I heard Paranoid and then Master of Reality. And the first Sabbath record, I was just absolutely right. You know, whatever. It's becoming like an acolyte, you know, mm-hmm. just becoming a total freak for those things. Judas Priest. I had the amazing, uh, I I've overall had generally had that, I think, great fortune just to have my, uh, my mom particularly. She knew how passionate I was. She saw how serious I was or just at least so, uh, you know, just super enchanted by fucking hard rock music that, uh, God bless her, she took me to a lot of those concerts. So I saw... <laughs> I saw the Peace of Mind tour in, in 1983, the Iron Maiden, I saw Van Halen in 1982, Judas Priest, and, you know, I saw the Scorpions, on the, you know, whatever, all those bands. And so my mom and my dad took my little, like, pre-puberty <laughs> tiny person to all these concerts. But, I mean, it was really those, it, you know, it was, wasn't in my freshman year of high school is when I heard Haunting the Chapel. You know, and I was kind of like, and there was you know, like a little bit, there was like Molly Cruz's second record, mm-hmm. and then there was like a little bit of the, what was happening was what was happening on the radio and also on MTV, which is right. like those bands. But then when I got, I met some, I met some hardcore Heshers at my high school who played Haunting the Chapel for me and also uh, Ride the Lightning. And I was like, Molly Crew are fucking wimps or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> as much as I actually really still love them and they're not, and I don't, I don't want to disparage them. Mm-hmm. I, don't want to, I don't want to demean them because I actually really like, I really like those first two records. Everyone always geeks out about the first record, but I like Shout of the Devil. I still mm-hmm. fucking love that record. But yeah, the, the mean-spirited and darkness of Haunting the Chapel, I mean, Haunting the Chapel is fucking terrifying, you know? The song, you know, like a Captor of Sin and Chemical Warfare, those are fucking scary. I was like, they're disturbing, you know? And so that was different than, you know, like looks that kill or whatever. Right, know? exactly. <laughs> you know, it's a whole other, I, I was like, ah, there's another gnarly, crazy, much darker subculture of these bands. And then I, so then it was like, a, you know, it was Destruction and Sodom and, uh, and then, you know, Overkill, which is a local band. And then there was there also during that time, like, the, the New York kind of crossover hardcore metal scene, bands like the Warzone and Leeway mm-hmm. and uh, the Cro-Mags and stuff. So that was when I actually started, you know, really kind of, like, uh, marinating in the entire, like, culture of hardcore, crossover hardcore and metal and stuff. Um, so this is, so just uh, for my own uh, peace of mind, so you're growing up in New York? You, I grew up in, in Manhattan. In Manhattan, yeah. okay. So you're like kind of at like an epicenter of underground music culture, like, bl- you know, blowing up. Kind of similarly, like my mom grew up with the punk scene, yeah. so like, you know, all of those old records are like my records now. Yeah, great. You know, so it's like, you know, I'm going through it and... I, I, I probably mentioned it enough, but like, you know, you go through, you're like, oh my God, this is like original Discharge. Amazing. Like this is, this isn't, oh, I found Discharge because I downloaded MP3 and I wanted to see what they were about because I read about them in some interview with some obscure band. You're like, no, this is like the original cool. Discharge record and all this other like crazy shit from that time. It's so, cool. wow, that, that, I mean, it, it's a blessing to be in this city. Like it's just, you're going to see every band and there's, and everyone wants to roll through and there's already like a massive history of heavy music culture within it. It's true. I mean, also the scene, the bad brains. Yeah. That was really, that was also one of those, like, uh, that's the kind of, those are, that's the end all almost of mm-hmm. like, of just incredible. And as they're like one of the great, the, the great fucking, fucking rock bands of uh, all time. 
And so getting to see them all of various places locally and just mm-hmm. fucking, you know, freaking out how incredible they were. So th- those were, it was, it was basically, it was like classic rock and then thrash metal and then punk rock. Like I discovered <laughs> that was in my freshman year of high school. Like it was one of those things I discovered. Yeah. It was through the, the punk kids and the Heshers who all smoked in the smoking area who were like trading <laughs> tapes or whatever, you know. We didn't um, have but, Heshers at my high school. I was the Hesher and I was not much of a Hesher. You're still the Hesher. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we did, but like we didn't, you know, I grew, I obviously grew up a little bit later than you. So yeah. metal kids were not really wearing heavy metal stuff at that yeah. time. I just remember Dream Theater was huge when wow. I was in uh, high school. That's some sophisticated fucking, that, that's more like a, it's classier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also it's more foggier too. It's like, are they metal? They're kind of metal. Is it like, is that what are they considered? Uh, like prog metal, it is prog I guess metal. you know. But like, I it's more like jazz. It's closer. To <laughs> it's it's like jazzy math rock. Yeah. Before you started Netherlands, or at least before you became more well known for your work in Netherlands, um, what were you up to musically? Like, what else have you been up to? Because uh, you've been active in the New York scene for, too for a for long a, time. A minute, yes. Yeah. Um, well, I moved out. I moved out here after college, and I had the uh, unbelievably amazing opportunity to play with Sean Lennon, with Yoko Ono, his mom, make a record with her and tour with her, two different iterations of her band, um, and uh, the first version of that, I was playing bass. Sean was playing, Lennon was playing keyboards and, and guitar and then Russell Simmons who's the drummer from the John Spencer Blues Explosion was playing okay, drums yep. and then Yoko was singing um, and uh, we made a record called Rising um, which is still out there which is extremely weird and awesome it's got like a <laughs> just super eclectic and a, just you know the typically bizarre and uh, very heartful thing that we did I think um, the second the Mach 2 of that band was I was playing drums and then it was Andrew Weiss who was the bass player in the Rollins band who's okay. also in Ween and produce Ween, and Sean was playing bass and, I'm sorry, guitar and keyboards, and Yoko was singing, and that version of it was more aggressive. It was just because I, I think I'm, I'm, Russell Simmons is a fantastic and super rock-solid fucking drummer, but I'm more, I'm more of a hard rock drummer, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'm just more of a fucking crazy person, <laughs> basically. And so that one, that one had some fucking punk fury that band i mean yoko's whatever unbelievable great so this is for anybody that doesn't know please investigate yoko ono's first record solo record called the plastic ono band john lennon has a counterpart record also called the plastic ono band um they're fucking they're still radical they're still ahead of their time now there's amazing stuff on it ringo Starr plays on it john lennon does some totally fucking insane noise guitar stuff which is like really really just nasty it's really fucked up i mean it's really there there's some proto-punk all the people all the actual people that would go on to be the proto-punk rock records always cite that first yoko mm-hmm. Ono record as being a seminal explosion influential movement of music um so yoko gets a lot of shit because people don't know anything about her and the world's basically racist and misogynistic and she's like an easy target for people's ignorance but if you don't know anything about her i think just shut the fuck up and, and investigate it because she's really like uh not to be trifled with she's the real deal 
She's a consummate multimedia artist and an absolutely stunningly amazing improviser and also just a genius. And so playing with her was, I still, one of the highlights of my whole life, you know, because yeah, it's like she's a master. She's a fucking master. So I got to do that, which was amazing. Um, which that led into me playing drums with Sean Lennon in another band with these two Japanese women called Chibo Mato, who we met, who were, who who basically their Yoko's record, the Yoko's record company, did a remix record of the record that we made with Yoko, and they got us together with the two women from Chibo Mato. Miho Hattori and Yuka Honda and we hit it off and then Sean and I ended up becoming the rhythm section of that band and they had a deal on Warner Brothers and they just uh, you know whatever they became very successful and so I was the drummer in that band from for the entire first wave of their world of success and so that was an I sort of when I that whole experience was an unbelievably uh, awesome <laughs> like a wave of professional playing music professionally um, when I was from the age of 24 to 31 and so uh and so and then and then when Chivo Mata wound down like relationships and normal normal yeah. things that happened um it was during that time that I started uh to trying to develop some body of work and starting to score music score commercials you know and just do, do you know just do jingles and other just to do licensed music for short films and TV and just also producing other artists and which is still what I basically do which is uh, my multi-pronged uh, production company mm -hmm. thing um, that I just that's what I do professionally and I've been doing it since then with varying amounts of fluidity and success I, I played a I was in a band called Morningwood for a minute <laughs> um, who also did very well um, but like I got it right I got a big record deal and they uh I, I kind of I parted ways with them before they got their record deal, mm -hmm. but I did that for a few years, and then Netherlands has been around for a while. I started Netherlands not too long after that. I mean, truthfully, the uh, so yeah, I mean, it was basically I was Yoko Chibamato. Also played in Sean Lennon's band too. I forgot about that. I actually did that um, after Yo the Yoko Ono band experience. There was a a record and a tours with Sean Lennon, and then the uh, God, it's been so long. That's no, the other way around. I went Yoko Chibamato Sean. And then Morningwood, and then after that, I was I had a, 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 a like kind of a super noise quartet called Bird of Doom, um, like which is name. the thank you, which is the it was some it's kind of like the genetic uh, forebear of Netherlands, you know. Right. There's a couple of songs we still play from that band, but then like uh, and then you know doing my production, having my production company, and then that basically when every those people like moved out in New York, that morphed into Netherlands, and so uh, what I would say is that a. Uh, uh, I didn't, I got, I got sober. I finally got sober after being like pretty much a partying maniac for many, many years. So it was after I'd been sober for a few years, that's when I actually credit. That's how I identify like when Netherlands actually became like when I sort of had my mind together enough to organize it in mm -hmm. such a way where I could make merch and actually like have like a operate much more, uh, you know, whatever on a more, uh, coherent professional level in that context because administrating a band and all that stuff is a lot more work than right. just running your own you know whatever rec production company at home with my own studio you know um anyway so yeah i would say that was that was 12 years ago so so when with the the other band with sean what yeah. was that? chibo mato chibo oh mato. well the, the sean's london band was just the sean, just, okay. his own solo band chibo mato was me and sean and these two women and that was some uh kind of conceptual avant-garde kind of dance music and sort of conceptual hip-hop with uh, samples and loops, but also with, you know, whatever. Really fantastic. 
they're fucking incredible musicians. I was gonna say I was wondering because I saw Sean Lennon opening for Primus one year. I yeah. was wondering if that was we were in the was a Ghost of a Saber. I played so I played a couple of shows. Okay, with that you know with uh with it's, I did some recording, but I played some shows as the drummer. Okay, of, of the Ghost. Um, I'm still friends with Sean. Whatever he's around, you know. Um, but yeah, Sean's in a band with Les Claypool now. Yeah, so, uh, was it the Lennon Claypool? Delirium. Yeah, Delirium. Yeah. So how did uh, Netherlands come together? Well, I, I basically like uh, I, after playing Morningwood, which is kind of like glam rock band, you know, it's like nasty guitar garage pop rock band from the early two thousands. Um, I was still just into playing. It wasn't really dark enough. I wanted to do something that was kind of gnarlier, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and then I just started developing. It was my my friend Sam Koppelman, who I played with in uh, with Yoko. He's an old friend of Sean's too. He was the original drummer of that band, and uh, yeah, I just started like uh, writing some weirdo, fucking gnarly, progressive hard rock music that I wanted to play, and uh, yeah, I just started doing it. And like, you know, I have a pretty uh. uh let's I say like pretty uh, ambitious like regular practice excuse me of writing music so I kind of wrote a lot of songs to begin with you know um, which ended up uh, culminating in there was a few EPs that I released but then I ended up this is pre pre the internet I mean mm-hmm. it's not pre the internet it's pre the streaming services that's what I mean right. and so I ended up recalling those EPs and then re-recording them into a full LP with which is what became the album Phantasmatic which is our first full LLP um, but yeah, I just started writing, I started writing music and developing a set and playing these songs. Just started playing fucking locally. So like Netherlands has a pretty unique sound to it, as we've alluded to. And I'd have to imagine that comes from you and your fellow bandmates coming from all sorts of walks of musical life. Um, personally, I would describe it as heavy Devo with a steady dose of craft work thrown in, but maybe I'm wrong or too on the nose with that one. Um, your website bio describes you as avant-garde sludge. Uh, would you say that your backbone is rooted in the more riff-fueled tunes of sludge and doom? Um, because I feel like, you know, you would feel trapped if someone expected you to make simply another sludge band in the vein of the Melvins or I Hate God, uh, who you've played with. Uh, and you, uh, you've played with both of those bands, actually. Um, so, like, would you even want to do that? I mean... The, uh, I guess how, how I'd present or how I'd even sort of define or try to publicly describe the, the, the sort of the overall musical sensibility of the thing that, that we do. The sludge part of it is just my guitar sound. Yeah. Like that's the thing mainly of the double super fucking, uh, uh, it really dull, like super low octave, like an entire octave down. Like, uh, you know, just the, essentially the main rhythm guitar parts for all most of the songs. I mean, it goes into the normal register sometimes. There are some solos, but mostly, like, that's the, the, the sound. The sound is basically, the, one of the identifying features is that, just my guitar sound. Um, but otherwise, yeah, there's influences of Krautrock and of, uh, you know, like electronic music a little bit, but R&B too, some bebop you know, like just minimalism, some performance art, and then some metal. It's not like, you know, there's hardly any of that. There might actually be, it's only even referred to, like I said, in, in terms of genre references, 
a couple of times in the whole catalog, you know, we have seven albums now, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just say sludge as a marker, as a, as a genre reference, as a marker, I think it's just, it makes it easier for people to, yeah, I mean, it, it's reasonably accurate considering the sound of the fucking band, you know. But then musically, it's not like, it's not bluesy, and it doesn't have this kind of like a, a yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it has like, it doesn't sound like Electric Wizard or I Hate God or any of those bands. It's actually more, there's more punk and then there's more post-punk yeah. kind of vibes. And then some like, a, you know, like, a, a, yeah, the minimalist, like the trance, trance vibes. And then also like a pretty, uh, I think, adventurous range of vocalisms. Mm -hmm. because like there's some guttural stuff and then but then there's also you know sort of some soaring falsetto vibes of the thing yeah, too. very animated yeah i mean like i don't know it's just like i end up my whole vocal presence is all over the place it's like it's not it's not like oh i mean you can i think i mean the sound i'd like to think the sound of my voice like will indicate will signal oh yeah it's that band there they are you know mm -hmm. at the same time they definitely all the records all the records definitely do not sound the same. Even within the records, they don't sound the same. Yeah, I but, definitely agree. You know, that's that's. I mean, I I would, would, would to a degree that's just begun. My artistic mo is not wanting just to make the same fucking record over and over again, which I believe we haven't. I, I would say so. I mean, I went back and listened to the discography, and just going from, you know, the begin point A to um, point B, where we are now there's that connecting thread of it where you it's your signature sound yeah but you can see the progression you can see how it goes from like oh okay this is like maybe uh, a little more dialed in a little more stripped and then it gets more complex yeah. you're adding in more synthesizers you're doing more with reverb you're bringing in different people to yeah. do different things sure there's definitely like a yeah there's a there's a couple of covers there's mm -hmm. like the, the zombie techno has like a synth doom like power ballad on it which to me is like the, I think that's the best fucking thing song I've ever written is that one but it's also I mean it, I'm not say it's a it works it's also got a really fucking heavy bridge or whatever it's not like an actual power ballad you know right it's much darker emotionally and, and also sonically but even that for me I'm like having there's also a blind faith cover on Black Gaia which is you know that's some interior kind of mellow that's like, it's not even, I mean, it's not, it's bordering on not even being rock music, you know? I mean, it's like a ballad, you know? Right. It's like a sad ballad. And so, I mean, I I like that I've, I continue to try to, you know, uh, the, the whole thing about, in a funny way, and it's not funny, it's just true, like, Netherlands, like, the genre overall still has formal rules. Like, I can't actually be too crazy, Right. As maybe I, I might want to, and then I actually am on many of my other solo albums. We haven't talked about that at all. I, unless, you, unless you knew or I told you, there's 22 of my other albums on Bandcamp right now. I do remember reading that you've released like an astronomical amount yeah, of no, solo they're work. All, like, and the thing is, is that, like, and that's when people, and I say that, or when people hear that, I think oftentimes they just either think that it's bullshit or that. Or not that it's bullshit, but they're they sort of, sorry, you know, it's it's relatively unusual. Well, like, how can you put out 22 yeah. albums? Or, like, you know, Prince put out 22 no, no, exactly. albums. So exactly. it's like, because there's a lot of people that have put out 
20, 25 yeah. albums. It's exactly, I mean, that's, that, that's, I was just saying that there's, that there's, that's basically what's happening in parallel to the Netherlands is me like making all these really much more uh, uh, genre fluid and also really much like not totally not rock albums at all. I mean, there's, I have three baritone ukulele records. There's a bunch of dance music. There's a bunch of field recordings and found sounds and then some super eclectic dance music and then rock music and then some other hard rock music. Um, and so with Netherlands, it's sort of like, well, okay, how can I, how can I kind of keep developing the whole thing in a way that doesn't like, like where I don't lose people or whatever. Right, right, right. You know, um, and I don't think I, 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 I'd like, I'd hope I haven't, <laughs> you know, I don't think I have, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to, I believe that, uh, it's not as if like, oh, like that doesn't even sound anything like the other album or other albums, um. But I have wanted to try to, you know, incorporating more synths and more strings and then actually ballads and then, you know, mellow shit and also, uh, uh, you know, choral vocals where it's not all like, it's a hard metal, you know, it's mm-hmm. a punk band or something where it's a, yeah, it's more musically uh, diverse, you know. Um, so, you know, I guess that's, you know, that's, uh, it's just that, that's, it's interesting like when I, like I'm, a, I'm able to, I'm able to, uh, uh kind of work out and just kind of uh, have all these other channels from my artistic fucking imagination with my solo work and then Netherlands that kind of is like the art challenge of like being like okay well you know because I, I want to try not to make the same fucking Netherlands album again at the same time like I'm also you know like it's riff based fucking mid-tempo mostly technical progressive sludge rock music <laughs> and so in that respect like I'm you know, whatever, the challenge is to actually keep it fucking interesting and mm-hmm. to try to in, sort of innovate to whatever degree is actually possible within this tradition yeah. that I'm in, you know. Yeah, and I'm, it's, to me it sounds like Netherlands is like almost like the, the middle ground between like, uh, I want to do something like weird, but I can't go full hog wild yeah. because that's what I'm going to do for my solo yeah. material. And plus, you're like you're working with other people, and I was wondering if you could talk about some of the people that have been in the band and who you've played with over the years. Like off the top of my head, I know Dave Richmond, who at one point played in the band, yeah. and he because he plays in every band apparently. Yeah, no, he's a he's a killer. This was he. I had a uh, brief but uh, I think awesome spell with him, wave with him mm-hmm. during the entire pandemic. Um, yeah, Dave's fucking amazing, you know. Like, I think he went on, he just, I think he bowed out for, for whatever reason that he wanted to do other things, you know, but thankfully it was amicable, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dave's amazing. Dave's a fucking killer, you know. Let's see who else. I mean, there's Sam who I played in the beginning. There's a guy named uh, Dave Burnett who plays on Phantasmatic and, uh, uh, I'm sorry, he played on um, Silicon Vapor and Audubon. Um, and I think he played it with Mod- Modest Yahoo. Yeah. Um, but he's I also, once. yeah, he's also a, a He's just an absolute monster. He can play anything. He's like one of these just terrifying, like a uh, uh, skillful, mm-hmm. soulful, really accomplished guys who's just got a pocket for years, you know, like whose groove is so deep. Um, so, and he's just a hilarious and a consummate professional. The whole thing about this is like pending some like 
big break happening. You know, just, we're just grinding along in the fucking lo- local music business. Like, people, like, it's the normal, the normal, like, evolutionary machinations of people. Like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this version of the band has run its course, you know? Obviously, if I were to, when I'm actually to, when we have some kind of, like, huge uh, game-changing, career-making break, then chances are I'll probably end up playing with the same people right. for a longer period of time. But, like, a... Um, Ashley Wallace, who was the first synth bass player in the band. Hannah Moorhead, who's now in the Giraffes. She played electric bass. Yeah, they're fucking fantastic, my friends, and killers, too. Um, you know, uh, Ava Farber, who was in the band for a long time, is doing her own thing now. Zach Eichenhorn, who's also just a really fucking ferocious, rock solid fucking drummer. Um, and then, you know, more or less, and then there's been other little bits of there's other players that were just filled in here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, brings bringing us to now the, the current era, which is with David Keith, who's just an, you know, whatever, who's another, uh, you know, terrifying badass. He's just a really... Drummer for Richie Blackmore, right? Yeah, he's amazing. He's in Rainbow and also in, in Blackmore's Night. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> super cool, I know. And so, yeah, I'm excited. It's really great, you know. Uh, I didn't know if that answer your question. Yeah, 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 that, totally. I, I wanted to talk about some of the themes of Netherlands sure. music because I distinctly remember you saying uh, during your opening set before Yab, uh, this song is about why space colonization is a fucking terrible idea. Yeah, I said fucking whack. Or fucking whack. Can you turn the AC back on? Yeah, absolutely. Have you always had an interest in science fiction and uh, related genres and like how did you get into them? Yeah, I mean like I like a... I think I was, I mean, I was kind of a Ray Bradbury geek back in the mm-hmm. day. I'm not, I'm not especially, I'm not really caught up. There's some other writers who have been, become uh, introduced to or familiar with. Kim Stanley Robinson's amazing. Um, but uh, overall, yeah, I'm not a big science fiction person. I am like a, so in the context of uh, what I call, what I, what I regard as, and understand as the, already well underway like environmental mega catastrophe yeah that uh space colonization just it's obscene you know like i understand it and then of course i get it it's not that i get into trouble but I, a lot of people like I, I i'm very vocal about this yeah and a lot of people like are you know have very strong feelings and obviously are totally uh they're pro space travel and they're pro the human race like uh colonizing other planets and i think that's fucking absurd it's obscene and the very it, it seems a uh, profoundly misplaced how to put that it's just not my bag you know and so yeah i want i would like to you know I, in an ideal world it would be like reorienting our entire like perspective to not like be trying to flee from this planet when we're making it into where we're killing where we're actually murdering earth's remaining life support systems for ourselves and all other life so the idea of even if it's fascinating and it's kind of in, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's enchanting to think about that on a basic human level. I also think that it's, yeah, morally, incoherent. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's important to note that it's you're not against space exploration. Yeah, you're against the colonization of it, which. You know, I think a lot of people probably have a romantic idea of it. Oh, it looks great in a movie. You can live on a spaceship. It's going to be great for everybody. Blah 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 blah. If there's any lesson to be learned about that, it's probably to just like look at ourselves and say, well, has colonization really worked out for the human race in the long run on our own planet? Not really. No, and especially for the people who are 
whose entire worlds are getting colonized and annexed exactly. like and, and getting uh, uh, exterminated. So it's not, yeah, it's not like a, yeah, I mean, it, it even like, as you know, as a person who grew growing up and got born in the, the last quarter of this 20th century, like obviously as a kid, the idea, you know, that Apollo 11 movie is fucking so wild. It's incredible. It really is awe. It's literally awe-inspiring. It inspires awe. It's awesome in the literal sense. At the same time, part of me now is kind of like, what about all those, like, the, you know, all the sandpipers that got fucking incinerated by the rocket? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, like, yeah. that, of course, obviously, people will just think you're a crank even for, you know, even, like, thinking that, like, the, the lives of these, you know, lowly or non-human creatures have any value at all. And I'm just saying my overall perspective in the last several years, probably in a decade plus, but especially in the last five years, has become much more oriented towards a, a little more of a radical animal rights yeah. perspective. And so at the same time, like, I don't know, I, I can't, I'm obviously not going to condemn or reject the entire phenomena of space travel out of hand. At the same time, considering that we're fucking murdering the oceans... Like, it's just like, let's get our fucking priorities straight. Right. Which we're not going to do, and we're already not doing. And people will be like, fuck you. We're going to space. I want to blow some shit up. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't trust uh, Elon Musk to do anything proper with, like, space colonization. Because that's all viewed from, like, a pretty strict capitalism point of view, as far as I'm concerned. They're going to be, like, selling moon rocks and saying they're X amount of dollars at some point. Or something like that, just, which is like you're just pilfering resources for your own benefit, not for like the good of society. Or, or, and I don't think they'll be bringing that many people with them. No, and even like the idea, the idea of colonizing the galaxy, it's fucking grotesque. Fuck you. Like, no, how dare you? Even like, like who the fuck do you think you are? I mean, honestly, like, never to credit to a degree of his, his ingenuity and also, I mean, the fact that he made rockets that could land again. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. At the same time, like, you know, whatever, that doesn't mean I have to be advocate for everything else that he believes in and he's doing, which is vulgar and idiotic, in, in yeah. my opinion, to a large degree. At the same time, like, in a, in a more sort of first principle, simple, simple philosophical way, the, I think what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm talking about and that I, what I've been learning about over the last few years and, and trying to educate myself is about the basic reality of the phenomena of human supremacy. Like, it's like a myth. Like, we are not the, we are not the apex of creation. We are not entitled to do everything we're doing. And that, that, that we think we are is why we are fouling our nest to our own existential peril, you know? And so in that, in that regard, again, it's like the actual analysis of it is much more complicated than that. But just mm -hmm. on a basic, on a basic philosophical and like a moral level, you know, it's like, how does something land with me? It's like, is that necessary? Is that some just kind of human, crazy, toxic, insane, catastrophically, like, environmentally toxic jerk-off that just a certain group of people are like, this is going to be awesome, <laughs> or whatever. I'm like, meanwhile, hundreds of millions of people that don't have toilets are starving to death or dying of fucking dysentery, while there's a tiny cabal of people that are going like, we're going to go to space. It's fucked up you know so that's where that's that's a long-winded way of answering a question about why i think <laughs> space colonization is whack <laughs> i mean i think that's a that's a cool angle and that's a cool 
topic and it's something interesting and it it's another thing that makes your band unique because you're not talking about the same old things uh that you kind of run in that you can run into when people are in heavy music but it's important that you know you're a that we have people addressing these kinds of topics, even if it's in a very esoteric and kind of non-traditional manner. That's cool. Thank you, know? you. I hope so. I mean, at best, maybe, or at least trying to have whatever, you know, modest platform I have. Uh, never. And just try to actually be really uh, openly, directly explicit about what I fucking believe and how I actually feel and also not like a... Without being too fucking, uh, uh, like, preachy... But uh, yeah, I have strong feelings, and uh, I would try I try to at least be creative or artful with it a little bit, and not just be too boringly literal, if possible. The besides the that, do you take influence from anything else, like books, movies, that kind yeah, of thing, I'm a or do huge, you try to huge movie buff? Yeah, and I, I'm not like a, I'm like I'm a pretty I'm, I'm a serious reader, but not I'm not like a. I'm not an obsessive reader. Right. And of course, just my all of my work with my production company and all these bands, my solo work in my band, uh, takes up more of my time right. than ever, you know? Uh, but I'm a regular reader. But yeah, I love... I'm a, I'm hugely... A, I'm a huge obsessive movie buff. I'm a serious movie buff. So yeah, definitely the Italians and the Japanese and the mm-hmm. noir and all the Scandinavian stuff and, you know, like 20th century film. I'm super into it. Um, there's a lot of amazing filmmakers obviously now in film work being done I personally like streaming is streaming is too fucking it's too powerfully it's too easy to get totally addicted to streaming things all the time yeah you know and so there's amazing I mean whatever there, I don't even wait really, there's so many amazing fucking television shows and serial dramas and comedies and stuff on right now but part of me is craving like a, uh, like I've been wanting to kind of re-immerse myself in a lot of the artists and the filmmakers that I like, like the Italians and, uh, you know, the French New Wave, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, those things, just to kind of like uh, remind myself that the universe, that life happened at a different speed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that and also everything wasn't like in HD and like, you know, required that required you actually had to participate more. Everything wasn't so, uh, like, you know, it, it required some... Uh, um, you know, I, some patience. energy and also some and imagination. Yeah. Everything it forces you to actually have to use your fucking imagination. Uh, of course, there's a bunch of really great, similarly, equally artistic and is it provocative or evocative film that's being made right now. But uh, yeah, I'm, I love movies. It's a, it's a huge influence on me on every per, on every level as a human being and an artist and just a person. Just my current work schedule. I have like a few more days off than normal so i try to take advantage of that and like oh i have like this massively growing list of films that i should like just watch so i've been watching a lot of italian horror movies yeah, and yeah. stuff like that and all that stuff is fantastic yeah. like all the giallo stuff good for you so but i mean like just went to see the thing which is like one of my top 10 the carpenter yeah so good horrible experience seeing it but uh the movie itself remains oh, untouchable the theater, you mean? yeah it's terrible don't ever do pa- fathom events they Uh-oh. completely botched it. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, Bad sound quality. Oh, the film looked bad. Yeah, it was it was terrible. So, good. so, so since starting off Netherlands, uh, you've released five albums, right? I think there's six, maybe six, five or six. Yeah. There's, a, there, there's six. There's five full LPs, and then an EP, and then 
and we have a record that's coming out on 3-1-G in September, in like two months or whatever. You know? We'll talk about that yeah. for sure. Um, and uh, since then, you know, you've been able to share the stage um, with a lot of people, uh, including the aforementioned Doom Side of the Moon and Yob. But in addition to that, Napalm Death, Melt Banana, Mutoid Man, Black Flag, whatever version it was at the time, I Hate God, Flipper, Witch Mountain, White Hills, Moon Tooth. You know, these are all bands that are like very, you know, obviously popular in like the Doom and adjacent scene. And, you know, you don't really like specifically like play doom and yet you know you're these are all great opportunities for you and i feel like overall it's been like very well received and uh you know i'm to it was really cool to, to go to the yob shows and see a different band each night right, right. and no, no one of those openers sounded like the other opener or with, yob even. or yob yeah which is like i don't want to see a yob clone yeah. you know what i mean sure. yes. do you ever have a moment where you were like, hey, this is like kind of working out. Well, I mean, even playing like a, I, I, I like, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Mel Banana. I'm a huge fan of all those bands. Like even getting to play with, getting to play with Mel Banana was fucking incredible. Like I worshiped them and I met them. I did, and back in the day, back in the, back, back in the day, like I did some recording with them with Sean and Andrew Weiss from the Yoko era. Um, but yeah, I've been a huge fan of them from the very beginning, as soon as I heard them. And so, Getting to play with them, well, yeah, it was like we played with them a couple times actually. Um, yeah, it was like it sounds corny. It was like a dream coming true again. Yeah, it was just fucking amazing. What a what a great, what a wonderful fucking opportunity it was. It was fantastic, you know, because I just I'm so blown the fuck away by them. I'm similarly like I'm a, like a huge long long term fan of Flipper too. It was amazing, you know, and also we get to like go over with uh, the fans of all these bands and also go over with them too you know the ideal thing would be to like you know blow them away or at least fucking you know play a good show yeah. for them with them or whatever um but uh, in terms of stuff working out like each each of those times you know whenever we play with bands like that that are actually like the uh influential admired established bands mm -hmm. that we get to play with it's a Whatever, in and of itself, that's a fucking amazing experience. It, like, validates the whole fucking thing, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, is that is that what you mean? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's it, it's got to be cool for you as yeah. just a longtime music fan. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, in, in as much, you know, like, a, like yeah, just even, even like, a connecting connecting with being able to uh, even do on a professional forum to be able to play with Mutoid Man or whatever, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Also, get you know, I, we never know those guys, and, and also, so that's also additionally great because we're actually friends. We're friendly with each other. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's great. It's all. It's like a. It's good. Muto <laughs> bene. <laughs> yeah. Well, besides Netherlands, um, what else are you involved with right now? Because I also saw you performing with. Uh, Miho Hatori yeah. before Kikagaku Moyu some months ago, yes. which was a killer show. Great. I, I've been playing her band. That particular band is called New Optimism. It's mm -hmm. a trio. I play bass in that band. I've been playing in iterations of Miho's solo band for 17 years now. So I've been in her band also parallel to all this stuff, which is amazing. I fucking adore her. I love playing her music, she's a fucking genius. I love playing in her band. It's amazing. And the key, uh, keyboardist who plays in that trio, his name's Paul Wilson. He plays with the SZA 
Ardo Lindsay. He's mm-hmm. an absolute, he's a total terrifying virtuoso badass keyboard player. He's also uh, plays keyboards on uh, all the new Netherlands stuff, uh, doing overdubs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also played a couple shows with us playing live. Uh, but I play in Miho's band. Um, there's a, just a, there's a, I've done a ton of one-off types of licensing and scoring stuff for people's like you know small companies small businesses and short films and stuff this year particularly i produced and co-wrote and produced a record for a singer songwriter whose name is maya azusena who's from brooklyn who but who's based in istanbul and it's kind of like an old school kind of like an old school like funk r&b record uh, but excuse me she's a she's a killer singer she's an incredible performer I mean, like, literally, like, a total pro, like, has everybody in the palm of her hand kind of vibe. And so, uh, you know, I, this is only, it, this is happens to be, I'm simultaneously making all this super kind of aggressive, like, trance noise rock, and also making an R&B record with her at the <laughs> same time. Um, so I did that at the for the end of last year and this year, and that's also, I think it's coming out in October. But, uh, yeah, I'm really, really proud of that. I personally regard that as also being the best fucking thing I've ever done is that record i'm also uh um i'm making i've been working on salsa since last summer of 2021 i've been put into i've been did i've done basically all the tracking for kind of an old school like hip-hop record it's kind of like an electro funk record but i'm calling up for the first time in a long time i'm calling upon a lot of my you know beloved sort of like you know uh uh you know former colleagues in all of my bands um i got people i got miho playing on it jonas policewoman who i played with jaleel from tv on the radio is going to be on it uh matt johnson who played in jeff buckley's band who was also in saint vincent for a long time paul who i mentioned from miho's band rick lee who was in skeleton key and a bunch of other bands uh yeah i'm basically making an album with i'm making an all-star fucking weirdo oh and i got i got cool keith on it too which is uh, fucking amazing he's <laughs> cool super I'm, stoked I'll, I'll, let me use a different uh descriptor uh he rules <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i was so i'm so i'm extremely i'm super fucking grateful and stoked he did that really weird album with uh a metal band it was pretty cool i forget what their name was man i, I think it came out in like 2020 during the pandemic it's pretty neat, though. I should go back and listen you to please, it. Let, 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 send it to me, please, because mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I've been making that record, which was, I'm getting, it's like eighty percent done. But also, I'm really, I'm really, really fucking stoked about that record. Oh, there, there's also, just as a matter of fact, there's, well, there's, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to, prematurely like, announce all the other Netherlands stuff that's happening. Mm-hmm. But for now, there's also the, the three one G record, the Netherlands record, which is coming out on September 9th called Kali like the Hindu goddess of creation and destruction nice. Kali Corvette and so uh, there's some videos associated with that and the first single which is called So Sick came out on last Friday it's very good thank you it's not really another weirdo yeah. <laughs> it's another sort of very quirky mm-hmm. type of like Indian like a Bhangra sludge punk I don't fucking know what it is uh, but I'm really, I'm really, I'm whatever for what it's worth. I'm proud of that one because it's, I don't need, I don't, I've never made anything that sounds like that. I don't think I've heard anything that sounds like that. I've never made or heard anything that sounds like that. So I, I'd like to think that's a, 
some kind of modest accomplishment. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that, that's what I've been doing aside from that. Oh, I, I actually started talking about the band, and you asked me about non-band things. Sorry, I changed the subject. <laughs> no, that's okay. But we had to, I mean, we got to talk about that anyway. But like, are you working on anything else besides the new Netherlands, the new super album that's coming and out? Like there's, there's a few artists that I, I don't, I don't, it's, it's not confirmed yet, but yeah. there's a couple of artists who have solicited me to maybe produce records for them. There's, there's this Netherlands album. There's another one that's coming out next year, which I'll talk about later because there hasn't been any PR done. And we got, we got another modest, but cool fucking record deal for this other Netherlands album that I made during the pandemic year that was recorded by Kurt Ballou. Oh, nice. And so, which sounds fucking, I mean, the music I think is decent, whatever. The yeah. music's good. And the sound, you know, Kurt, Kurt absolutely crushed it out of the park. Particularly, he's like, it got the greatest guitar and drum sounds even possible for this band. He like rang out my guitar rig in a way that I didn't even know was possible. Uh, to be to have it be so good so yeah it was like a, he's a he's a fucking master Kurt is so that record's coming out on another label next year there's the hip hop album I talked about there's another Netherlands record that I also finished that's just done yeah another seven song record and then there's also two other three other completely finished solo records that I just are I have too much music <laughs> do, do you know what to do with I don't know yeah my production line is kind of backed up and in a way that's like not really cool like it's not and, and psychologically it's not it's not right to have this much music done in mm-hmm. like the normal the conventional marketing release protocol is to you know have like do it promo advance pr for two or three months release it maybe do a tour and then like follow it up for six months eight ten, 12 months 18 months and then maybe start the whole cycle over again as opposed to making three albums in a fucking year because no one all, all not only your label but all no, no one none of the none of the none of the people in the press outlets or any of that stuff are really conventionally organized to handle more than even one record every year and a half you know um which is just the way it is but yeah uh, yeah i guess that's the good news because i have shit loads of content <laughs> uh, one of my least favorite words i'm sorry for even saying that <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's something else you uh, you feel you have an opinion about with like social media and how you know that's just like I think I think I was reading an interview where you kind of called it like just like dealing with the eternal distraction yeah. and I mean like it's weird now how like music in a weird way has like pivoted another word I don't like towards like being kind of part of that eternal distraction you know whether it's like oh like for instance like I'll probably talk about this again Instagram, which I feel was once kind of a boon to bands because it was a way to share pictures and show you were on tour and, oh man, we had like a sold out house and this, you know, with them moving towards small videos, reels, whatever it's called, it's like this platform that I felt like was once beneficial to fans and, you know, kind of like the entities that float around them to get their, you know, like this, get their podcast out, sort of like kind of going down but they're still expecting you to be like glued to that thing or chained with it and that's kind of something i personally don't really feel like doing like i had a model it worked you know but now they're like we gotta we gotta do it and this isn't to sound like an old man but you gotta do whatever's gonna keep the younger generation kind of occupied (laughs) if it's gonna keep them occupied and if 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 in fact you were 
demographic is the younger generation. Exactly. Which it may or may not be. It's probably for us. It's probably not no. for that. I mean, it kind of skews a little. It's definitely yeah. not. It's not. It's not a Z. Right. You know, it's like oh, it's millennials though. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe old millennials. <laughs> oh, this, there's some young people. If you look at the actual analytics on Spotify yeah. or whatever, you know, but it's definitely not the majority. Right, right, right. Um, I don't know. I mean, really, like a proper, comprehensive breakdown, like an analysis. You know, my own, like, personal philosophical, like, perspective about all this stuff is really complicated. In general, like, well, there's a couple of things that just, whatever, that would respond to things that you just said. Like, listening to music is less and less it's less it's it's not a foreground activity it's not its own activity it's an adjunct it's secondary to it's just it's just atmosphere mm-hmm. you know and so like uh, of course that's not that's obviously not true totally but overall it's obviously been gradually evolving in that direction because of the way that all these platforms work and the way that con- the the uh, uh, the contemporary psychology of marketing strategy and like and how that works in conjunction with branding all that stuff and so you know so in in terms of the short form shorter and shorter form of forms of the collections of music people do people listen to albums yes do as many people listen to albums no the entire thing is the 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 way that i i still I'm, i'm old enough that i still find value in conceptualizing longer form collections of sequence of songs like an album an lp like a long player that has a theatrical arc like a cinematic arc like all of my records are meant to be listened to in their entirety with your full attention like watching a movie this is not this not just like oh i threw 10 songs together and like made i made song for the slow one or whatever you know i've been really i am i'm from whatever i don't say the old school i'm from this slightly older school world of the the philosophy of actually creating Records, which uh, it's not a value judgment per se, because you know I'm not necessarily I'm not saying that that somehow is like it was better then it's automatically better. That's just what I'm accustomed to, having grown up at the time of the fucking right. culture that I did. So obviously that's not for everybody, and it's for less people than ever relatively to how it used to be now. But uh, you know, thirty seconds, sixty second, ten second snippets. Like, of course, it goes without saying that everybody, including myself, our attention span has been fucking destroyed. Yeah. And that we're all a bunch of dopamine junkies that uh, have been basically being, you know, ha- having our uh, ability to be able to focus absolutely decimated, you know. And, like, the, the, the political implications of that are many, you know. Of course, there's a lot of amazingly positive things about it, blah, 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 and overall. And so that's what I mean. Like, it can't, I can't, like, say, oh, it sucks or it's amazing. It's, it's really powerful and really uh, productive and really uh, effective in many ways. And it's also really destructive and toxic and fucking horrible in other ways. For me personally, because of my sensibility, I have a kind of a compulsive, obsessive personality. Like, I, I feel like I, I have... I wouldn't say I've destroyed it, but I have to work really hard to not destroy my fucking mental health right. with my consumption, my endless consumption, my addiction to these consuming fucking media on these platforms. And so, you know, I try to, I'm trying to, I'm, you got to play the game though. That's it. We are, it, there's no, we, we are locked in on a professional, on every level, on a fucking psychological, on professional, financial, everything level to have to abide by this these technological means 
of promoting and disseminating one's work. So you have to play the game. I'm getting better at it. I, I, I despise it in some ways. And in some ways I enjoy it at the same time. Like a, I'm just old enough now that I'm like, uh, I don't want to be, I just, I don't want to like actually have transposed my entire world of like, uh, of mania and compulsive behavior onto this shit because I'm making myself crazy and miserable. It's almost like a generic complaint. This is nothing new. I'm not like, I'm not lodging some kind of, I feel like the whole world, it's like a, it's a culture-wide pathology. Right. You know, for me, I mean, I'm like, I, most people, maybe, I don't know, maybe I should like project my experience onto the, like, and everybody must be having the same experience as me, which isn't fucking true, but it is probably in large part true because everybody I see everywhere is like a, you know, has been totally bamboozled by the, these, these, uh, these, all, all the screens, all the tablets and, you know, and streaming too, you yeah. know, people watching, including me are watching. It's as if like people only watch television for like three or four hours, maybe, which is a lot back in the day. And now people are essentially watching television for like 16 fucking hours a day, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. My partner's very good at binging things and works full-time job and does other things. I mean, I guess like working from home and that, that but like, I'm terrible at it. I'm like a I'm a one episode person a day at most. So you're not an addict, are you? Uh, in other ways, probably. Yeah, but you know? just not that. But not that is not my my addiction. So I would definitely say sort of like you know at this point you know the with the way the world is you're almost like programmed to be like well what's gonna happen today you know and it's just like that's a kind of a it's a pretty horrible yeah, like worldview you it's know and not, it's yeah and it's I don't think it's one that comes programmed in your into your like you know DNA I think it's something that's very much influenced by outside sure, sources and acculturated yes and it's not just oh you know this right-wing politician said this horrible thing or did this thing or you know instigated a, a you know a, a a coup or whatever you know it's 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 all of it i mean it's the it's the fact that you know you do put yourself out there and yes you are now open to everybody else but a lot of people don't seem to understand that it's like we're all kind of here on the same planet and this isn't to make excuses for like you know terrible people but sometimes people just have slightly different opinions about you know the barbie movie i guess yeah which is not out and i haven't seen and i probably won't see but i know people are very much into it that's just like the first thing that popped into my mind no no i, I guess it, and it's it, like that very much if you're not behind this then you're what you're canceled i guess <laughs> like, you know yeah. what i mean I, I, even like yeah i mean like a that's a good, bad example no but. I, I no for sure it's as good as any but yeah. i get you like it hasn't been that many years like facebook's only 2005 i know, you know? I, and yeah. so then whatever instagram was a couple of years after i do i was i was a late adopter to all of it i even got an iphone probably a couple of years later than everyone else did i used to partially get mocked by some people i knew for still having a blackberry and everybody else has already had their iPhone. Those are gone now. Oh, I know. Like, I was going to say, the uh, it was so quaint. It was cute. It was actually, like, it was exciting. It's like, oh, my God, you can connect with people and, like, you know, I'm sharing stuff like that. This guy and, made this in his college yeah. dorm room. Or, yeah, even, like, you know, just in general, like, you know, as, as, the, as the, the, the value from actually having it as the hub for being able to, you know, even, like, messenger is a thing. You know, it's, a, you know, as a, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of it actually obviously has great value, but... There's so much of it that has all these, uh, you know, it, unforeseen, like a, uh, yeah, development. Yeah, and also really like a, a you know, really uh, toxic and destructive and debilitating effects on like a group and 
young people, just everybody, and also politically, da da da, whatever. I'm just saying that, like, it's, it's all a, kind of converging now. Yeah. Into this point, as you know, we've kind of reached like this weird plateau of the digital era, and you know, you're seeing everything from the dark cesspools of the internet getting involved in the White House to like a platform, you know, like Bandcamp, which everybody was very much for and about getting purchased out by another company. And it's like, you know, I don't know how that's gonna, you know, I know hopefully stick they with want, people. They like a, start putting ads on your page or whatever. Exactly. Or charging you even twice as much for the thing or taking 90%, 98% more of the, of the, of the Just profit. becoming like a typical Another old streaming. school streamer, typical old school label, all that nonsense but that's what we can thank <laughs> late stage capitalism yeah, for yeah. um well maybe to to get off the the doom and gloom um what have you been listening to lately that you've been enjoying um, i know you you know you obviously work around with music all the time so sometimes it can be yes. difficult i'm not i don't know enough about this composer his name's frederick delius i think he's like an uh, uh early 20th century composer he might be English from Great Britain. Frederick Delius, he's an absolutely stunningly just soulful classical composer. One particular series composition of his called the Florida Suite, uh, which is absolutely just exquisite. It makes me want to jump out of my skin with joy. Frederick Delius, the Florida Suite. Uh, it's very well known, whatever. It's not, it's not, not especially obscure. It, not even obscure, uh, but I didn't know about it, and so mm. I've been uh, totally geeking out about that. The new Worm Rot record is fucking incredible, and fucking I absolutely yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. So it's, it's just, it's the, that's the most, it's the, they're just now publicly posted an audition ad for their vocalist because yeah, I guess there was some uh, some uh, drama or some oh, really little, I, I, or I don't know there was some I, the vocalist left right as the album came out or something. Thanks. So I understand that they're like oh. Not maybe not the best timing, so but interesting. There, uh, I just there there. That's some of the most some of the most over the top aggressive music mm -hmm. that I've ever heard ever. It's got the the heart of the actual, you know, like hardcore, like gr yeah. actual grindcore in a way that actually has more of like an old school punk rock feeling than a metal feeling. Mm -hmm. Even though it's both, whatever. Yeah. Um, just trying to think of who else. Like, I'm a well known geek for this avant bluegrass quintet called the Punch Brothers. Who are just like absolute like uh, they're like gods to me. I really really love the Punch Brothers. Um, Punch Brothers they call them. God, who else? Like uh, listening to Freddie Hubbard, you know, jazz musician, and then uh, some old. Just recently, in the last few few days and weeks, uh, Bernice Regan, some West Montgomery records. Um, I kind of I not. This is maybe three weeks ago. I got on a Boston Jag, <laughs> fucking like a "Don't Look Back" the second record. I di I didn't really ever fully as deeply investigate that record, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's it's deeply fucking satisfying. It's so good. It's incredibly well done, and it makes my heart sing. Even though uh, I what's his name, uh, Brad Delph, the singer. I'm an absolute uh, not an expert on Boston. He, he's a fucking. I'm a total fan boy for him. Mm -hmm. He's just absolutely fucking dazzling. He's fucking incredible. Um, so yeah, typical weirdo range of shit. Um, 
I've also, I mean, in, 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 by and large, I've been listening or making. I've been, I've been working on my own music, so that's been eating up the yeah. bulk of my uh, time in consciousness, conscious energy, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of, I, I, there's other stuff I listen to. I just fucking can't think of it off the top of my head. But, yeah. I would say, check out anybody that cares. Check out that Delius recommendation, the Florida Suite. It's fucking super rad. I will check that out. Yeah. I haven't updated this in a while just because I hadn't been doing the podcast for a bit. So these are some of this stuff is a little bit, uh, I think, out. And hopefully I hadn't like mentioned it before. But if I did, oh, well, <laughs> uh, the new Moontooth record yeah. is fantastic. Uh, there's this uh, I forget where they're from. They're called the Chachwin. They're a black metal band, but they have that Appalachian sound to them. And it's their new record is fantastic. Is it like a folky vibe? Sort of, yeah. It's not as folky as um, some of the other stuff that comes out of that area or kind of comes out of that genre. It's definitely a bit more uh, heavy, but yeah, definitely like some Wolves in the Throne Room vibes kind of there. Very cool. Mournful Congregation, great Death Doom band, highly recommend. Black Lung, went back after I went to Maryland Death Fest and listened to Coroner's Mental Vortex. Great album. This weird like sort of death grip style uh, artist from France called Biolante, named after a Godzilla monster. Not metal, but very cool. I don't know if this is pronounced R-L-Y-R or Relyer or Relayer. Relayer. That's uh, one of the dudes from Pelican's side project. That's really good. Uh, my friends in Death Cave have a new, uh, a relatively new EP out. Can you send me all this stuff? I guess I can listen to the podcast too. I, yeah, I can just send you the list. I, I keep a running list like through the year of just like, oh, everyone's like, oh, you should listen to this. So I'll probably be putting the Florida Suite on there. Right. What else? Uh, the, the, new fucking car, uh, the new fucking Sugar record. There's a new Sugar record? Meshuggah. Oh, the new Meshuggah record. Yeah, I have listened to it. I haven't got really gone back and listened to it. Though. I haven't gone super deep on it, but there's a couple of... Uh, there's a couple of bangers. Absolutely murder murder killers there's one song on there i forget which one it is but i feel like other people have talked about it it's the one that kind of sounds the least like a mashuga record it's it's kind of long and drawn out i guess it's a little slower yeah and i think that was the one that i was oh this one's really good cool so hopefully they'll be able to see them in september because uh that got rescheduled but mm. we shall see yeah so, um, is there anything that you would like to plug at this time? I, uh, uh, if depending on, is this, is this possibly going to come out before August 4th? It might come out on August 4th. Oh. Um. If that is only, I, I'm playing, it's the other band's TBA, but we're playing at the Middle East in Boston on August 4th. Um, I don't know, it's, they have it, the other bands are playing with, they're, they're associated with 3-1-G, they're 3-1-G bands. Okay. That are playing on that night. But it's not hasn't been announced yet. It only got confirmed yesterday. But anybody in Boston, if you don't have plans <laughs> tonight, uh, come out to the Middle East because we're gonna blow the roof off them, motherfucker. And also, Collie Corvette coming out on three one G September 9th with a couple of singles and videos being released prior to that and some reviews and stuff. But yeah, oh, also there's a Collie Corvette features a song for Greg Kubaki from Carbon plays guitar on one of the songs. Nice. And another song features uh, the mighty Gibby Haynes, the singer of the Butthole Surfers, <laughs> sings on another one of the songs. 
and also Tim Dahl plays Tim uh, the single that just came out Tim Dahl from the band Child Abuse plays mm-hmm. always based on that song so yeah it's more of like a it's kind of like a it's more it's 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 more like a trancy kraut punk sludge record with weird horrible robot robot ogre vocals than our last album which didn't sound like that <laughs> <laughs> and where can people find you that, that, if they're inclined to do so netherlandsband.com i'm timo ellis.com any weirdos freaks potheads your stoner cousins anybody that yeah the netherlands have all the records i think are fucking pretty fierce you know none of them suck there's no duds they all sound really good they've been produced nicely my own website has a bunch of hugely varied weird shit so musicians and nerds and anybody that cares uh come on by (laughs) yeah awesome yeah uh, yeah, so don't uh, go to the actual Netherlands country no. website. You will you will know that you are not in the right place. Exactly. You, know, you won't see. Yeah. yeah. You'll hear. You'll you might hear some music, but it's probably not our music. It, t- it took a long time for us to in the search results. Yeah. For us to come up with Netherlands band. This is honestly this is one of those things of like, uh, don't name your band after a country. Maybe at all. Don't don't maybe don't don't name a, your band when you're high, <laughs> you know, I, or unless you make it up the word, you know. Whatever. Yeah, that is a message that a lot of stoner bands did not. Uh, no, I know get. it's amazing because like, people, when people are tripping or really baked, things just well everything sounds better than it actually is. <laughs> yeah. Um, you should do Netherlands should do like an entire album playing Netherlands cultural music. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> And we blew up. We became the national band from Brooklyn of Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> or at the very least, you should go play at like Roadburn in Tilburg or something. We wanted, we're, there's, a, there's a festival called Sonic Whip that we were yeah. supposed to play at in 2020, but then the pandemic fucking just yeah. ruined that whole thing. Yeah. It ruined a lot of things. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you very much. I really so appreciate much, yeah, yeah. you taking the time out of your yeah, day man, to talk to me on the thank relaunch you. episode of Diary of Doom. Great. Thank you. Peace.
hopefully. And uh, that other voice over there is uh, Timo Ellis. It's for, I know, not, not, Uh-oh. it's Timo. <laughs> It's Timo. Yeah, no, okay. You did it's not. I did this is my whole life's correcting. You. <laughs> no, Timo. You did it right. If it was with one M. Yeah. Phonetically, it's actually you're pronouncing it correctly. But my parents named me Timo, even though it's spelled with one M. Anyway, sorry for. I, I, that's my. I just. Well, we ha- we gotta follow what your parents said. Yeah, exactly. They made it up. I didn't make it up. <laughs> they made the rules. You did it. 